Yeah, we sure do. Hello, Joe. How you doing, sir? Good, Tom. What's up, man? Not much. Welcome to the Finleys on Film. <laughs> We're here trying a, a new uh, setting, a new recording device, and uh, fingers are crossed. Let's see how we do here. Yeah, well, I mean, last last time we um, were recording some episodes, the um, equipment started shorting and shocking us, actually. It yeah. actually literally started shocking us, so. Well, actually, it shocked Joe, and I just want you to know that's the way I set it up, so. Yeah, so we're we're using this piece of shit. But you know, I hear a lot of <laughs> a lot of podcasts you, that are um, they just use one of these fucking things, the handheld recorders. Yeah, I mean they're just garbage. Uh-huh. In fact, I would say about half the podcasts I like are just are just garbage quality. But I mean, really, who cares? I can't believe how much I don't care when it's something. Now the problem is we're also garbage quality ourselves yeah, yeah, yeah. as people yeah it becomes well as sense. also as a show i mean we stink but right so so um we were, Joe's gotten very down on himself folks no I, I joined the other people who don't listen the um all right so we were going to talk about um well we we're going to talk about north by northwest right yeah. 1959's north by northwest but um do you mm-hmm. want to talk about hitchcock at all i know we want to do a hitchcock episode eventually but Shit. i mean what are your thoughts on this guy this up-and-comer <laughs> this kid yeah. this kid yeah he's fucking alfred hitchcock i mean he is definitely i mean he falls into the category of legend. He's he's so much of a legend, it's almost trite how much of a legend he is. You almost kind of want to hold it against him or try to find a way to not, you know, to not agree with the mythology that surrounds him. And it is a mythology that surrounds him. But I think that's hard to do. I think it's legitimate. I think he's uh, one of those people who actually earns his stripe. Yeah, it's kind of interesting if you look at like his very early career, which I didn't think was that amazing, and you look at his, his, the very last few films, which also not amazing. I'm I'm thinking like probably from like Topaz on in the mid '60s, it got pretty not very good. Um, oh, yeah. I think what 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 really helped with him is he kept changing. Yes. All the time, right? So if we look at the film like before this one, so '58's um, Vertigo. Yep. And 60s um, Psycho, mm-hmm. and then you look at, at North by Northwest, they are just so completely different, and not just in terms of like um, um, the quality, I, I'm sorry, the, uh, the story, but just in terms of like how he's approaching filmmaking. He's, he's almost like creating a new auteurship um, all the time in the yeah. 1950s. Right. I mean, it's it's persistent. So I mean, go ahead. and his height. I mean, that's I think one of the things that you can always say about him is he was always searching for a new expression, like for a new way to go about it. I, did you see the movie? Um, I think it was Hitchcock. Uh, it was a, it was a it was a bio. Of, oh, you mean the Anthony Hopkins? Yeah, the no, Anthony yeah. Hopkins. I, I think it was pretty good, and I think it was kind of instructive, um, in in some ways, as opposed to like sort of the legendarily part of his process. Like he was always looking for something that was shocking or titillated. He knew he knew his audience yeah. apparently, and that's he played to the audience and 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 made a fuck of a ton of money for these studios. So what did they care? Yeah. Well, the the the, the one to see is the documentary, the, the Truffaut documentary, where Truffaut interviews yes. um, Hitchcock. It's a great book too. Yeah. So 59's North by Northwest. Um, I think he's changing a lot in the 50s consistently, but 59 is a really interesting one because um, it is, I would say, above all other Hitchcock films. It's style above substance. Uh, yes, absolutely. I would say it's. I, I would call it one of his most stylish movies, and I would say he definitely has James Mason as his best as a champagne villain. 
Yeah. Like James Mason provides a certain level of that quality, but everybody in this thing, you're right, has a certain stylish go thing going for them. Well, I mean that the whole, also that the whole thing is is sty the, the the thing started because. With Good. Oh no, I was going to say because there's parts of this movie that are fucking absurd if you think about them for just a half a second. I know what you're going to get to, but I think that's, that's the, the, least, easy one. the yeah. least absurd thing, actually. The, the, the whole film is absurd because, you know, it started with this, uh, a businessman who wrote Hitchcock a letter in 1950, I think it was, mm -hmm. outlining this like, basic idea for this, this film. And what happened was by the time 58 came around and Hitchcock hired a writer, um, Hitchcock decided to go ahead and start making the movie long before it was even halfway written. So this uh, was, this was a, a film that was being written consistently as they were filming yeah, it. Shit. Okay. Yeah, and and you know something it's occurred to me before, but never so much as when I found this out, is um, a lot of people talk about like The Big Sleep and a few other movies. It's oh, like, okay. hey, what the hell was that movie? I really, if you think about it, it is difficult to pinpoint exactly what goes on in this movie. Yes, it, it really is. I mean, <laughs> e even the uh, the MacGuffin is like it, it remains a MacGuffin, and it's like nothing replaces it, right? So it's like there's you know there's some sort of story about like microfilm, but like what? Like what? You know, the film was it, it doesn't hold up, but it's such a magnificent yeah. It's it's, it's like a treasure of, of style over substance. I think you kind of hit it on the head. The film was originally going to be called The Man Who Hid in Lincoln's Nose. I'm not kidding. Shut you. up. Yeah, and they couldn't get. Um, permission. Get Lincoln, Lincoln's nose hair. They couldn't the, get the shot. permission. Well, and Hitchcock wanted to have a scene where uh, where Cary Grant is is um, escaping James Mason, and he hides in, in Lincoln's nose, and then he starts. He has an uncontrollable sneezing fit, <laughs> and he couldn't. The, one of the issues was. That's like amazing low comedy. Yeah, okay. one of the, th the things was um, they could <laughs> not. The writer kept going to the National Park Service, you know, in um, uh, Rapid City, you know, mm. whatever, uh, Mount Rushmore, and um, and they would work with them in terms of taking <laughs> pictures, but they couldn't do two things. They couldn't film there. And when they made a replica, they were not allowed to make a replica of them actually walking across the faces. So in the film, they never actually walk across any of the faces because it's somehow absurdly it's disrespectful, disrespectful course, to yeah. walk so, across a granite face. I mean, although, who doesn't want to plant a couple of toes into Teddy Roosevelt's uh, cookie duster? So, um, so they ended up, you know, that the point is, like, that fact made them write what they wrote. Right. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, in other words, and, and it wasn't like they had to do changes. It's like they weren't doing anything yet. Right. So so I, they gave the so writer... they could just as easily have gone to, like, Yellowstone National Park or someplace else. No, because they do have, like, they, they did make the replica of them, and right. they're in the background, right, right, but they, right. they can't walk near them, right? So it's none of the, the scenes where Cary Grant's hanging on or... You know, so it's just, it's just a, an absurd thing. And, and, <laughs> and then on top of it, as he's writing this film, or as Hitchcock is, is overseeing the writing of this film, um, the studio at the Universal is, is doing absurd things. So, like... Um, so they, they, they're in a writer's meeting and they decide, like, what's the least likely thing that Eve Kendall, um, Eva Marie Saint, will do to Cary Grant? Huh. Why don't we have her shoot him? But the thing is, when they wrote that, <laughs> they didn't even really have clear that that, that she was going to shoot him with blanks in the story. Oh, like, okay. just have her shoot him and, like, see what we come up with next. Keep painting ourselves into corners. <laughs> 
And so then, ob- is, what the- that, is that a legitimate way to write? I guess it could uh, be. It can be a legitimate way to write. Right, I mean, okay. writing exercise—it's like it sounds like more like a writing exercise. But sometimes those become uh, good products. Right. But but um, so 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 then they thought, well, okay, the next this great scene that has to follow is where they meet in the woods afterwards, right? And 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 they explain things to each other, mm-hmm. right? And. That way, the audience is, is sort of clued in on it. It's the only way it's going to work, and it's the one scene that, that Universal definitely wanted cut. Was right. that particular scene, and mm-hmm. and it drove them crazy because it's like, look, and they're like, well, it's too boring. And it's like, well, an explanation is kind of boring. <laughs> right. You know, you're right about that. <laughs> that sometimes happens. Yeah. <laughs> Exposition is sometimes. Is it fair to say? Is it fair to say that this is a fairly vapid film? Uh, I don't know that it's. I mean, it's it's one. Like I say, it's stylized. I mean, there are things that are ha- that happen in the writing that I think are kind of amazing. Like when Leo G. Carroll um, reveals himself to Cary Grant as the guy who's behind this sort of operation, um, and and part of the plot. I mean, we'll go back to the beginning. Part of the plot really is that Cary Grant is mistaken for an agent that that right. James Mason is after and his gang are after but the agent is not a, a real agent it's a, it's a non-existent person that's right. been set up by the mm-hmm. CIA or FBI whatever which the hell is it is kind of a, which is kind of a uh, dare I say the word David get your get your pen out it's kind of a trope of Hitchcock right the guy who knows something and is or and, or is is compromised and placed in a situation of being on the run that's a very common Hitchcock thing. Yeah, I mean, the mistaken, yeah, of course. He's very, very, he said one time he was fascinated with that idea more than any other. It's that an ordinary man is accidentally placed in an extraordinary situation. So, like Henry Fonda's 56, the wrong man, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Or the man who knew too much, or any of those films. But, but, um, um, sorry, Uh, go ahead. No, 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 absolutely. Okay, so, yeah, so we're talking about... Uh, oh, so I didn't have anything intelligent to insert. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I had something else uh, about the um, writing, but it was it was attached to something else. Anyway, uh, there's a famous, you know, of course, the, what the film is most famously is the, known. Is, the, uh, is the, the assassination scene in the middle of the cornfield? Right, which was filmed was. not too far from us, kind of near Bakersfield, apparently. Oh, is that right? And Hitchcock, again, it was like, let's play with opposites, right? So what what's the least menacing thing? It's like daylight open space and so like what can I do in open space mm-hmm. in daylight that's right. still menacing and Hitchcock's first idea was to have <laughs> bees was a hurricane shut up was it, was it, was it, I'm sorry not a hurricane a tornado, a tornado and yeah. the writer was like well oh, how, shit, a typhoon in the middle how of the would testing. they control a a tornado, and he's like, I don't know. Think about it, right? Give me a treatment Create tomorrow. special effects. Let's go. Right. I, I think here's the thing about, it, and I think this this really speaks, I think, to Hitchcock and his sort of his it basically his genius is you can watch this movie five times and never stop and think about that scene for a second. I mean, yeah. as assassination attempts go, that's got to be the dumbest way to try to kill somebody when you can pretty much just shoot them. Uh, Traveling trades out to a cornfield in the middle of nowhere. This argument about try to run them over with a fucking airplane. That makes no sense. It's a weird way to try to kill somebody. Yeah, I and mean, as proven, ultimately ineffective and not effective. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I, I mean, yes. Okay, <laughs> but I don't know why you'd be hard on that in the film because it's the other scene where they try to kill him. The first scene where they try to kill him. I think it's one of the fucking most amazing. Uh, assassination attempts ever in film. Uh, they try to get him drunk. They, they force feed him alcohol and, and try to get him to drunk drive himself off a cliff. I want to say that I saw that in another movie too. I can't remember. I think it's um, not a. I think it's a Mickey Spillane movie, but I can't remember. The well, name James Cagney's Each Dawn I Die has that in okay. it because he's a newspaper man and they they, they punch him. Right, out right, it. right. Yeah. Yeah, but I I just think it's. Um, 
Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah, they're dumb. That's what I'm saying. There's a, there's a part of this movie that's not well thought out, but you kind of don't look at it. No, you but see, that's where you I get caught up it's in the action and the not, motion and the beauty. It's not well thought out implies they didn't actually sit around and think about it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Literally, they did. It's just you don't like the way that what the, the approach that's they the took. That's the best they right? came up with. All right, okay, fair enough. I mean, I, I think, will grant it. I that. think they just they just having a really really cute time. I mean, why not have? Uh, <laughs> so is this like an Adam Sandler movie in a sense? Go ahead. Oh, just it's Adam Sandler basically. Now he shoots movies that make him millions and millions of dollars, but they're basically so he can go to fucking Mazatlan with eight of his friends. I just want to let point a camera at that. Well, a few listeners we have know that it's not two thousand one. Tom's remark that this Adam Sandler is now Look, making this films that make millions the, and millions of dollars. This, this, <laughs> this, this remark brought to you by the Facebook. <laughs> Shut up, Jesse. This Adam yeah. Sandler. What's he? What's he all about? This Adam Sandler. Right, He's making millions of dollars. In, in answer to me. So <laughs> well, well better. I don't. Um, I just think it's it's stylistically really interesting. I mean, both of those things are super, super interesting. So, uh, but, but to your larger point, yeah, I mean, it's a film that, that I haven't thought about until recently that like, I never really understood what it was about. Because right. I never really cared. You're right about that. It's one of those things. That you, here's the thing. And I sound like, I must sound, and I'm sure I sound like I hate this movie or something, and I really don't. Mm. It's a hell of an enjoyable movie. Mm-hmm. It is definitely that. And so that's that, that's that Hitchcock magic of being able to nail like his audience's at their most prurient, or, or whatever you want to call it, at their, at their basis need to be entertained, he makes that happen. Mm. And this is definitely a movie like that. Yeah, okay, well, and Hitchcock also, but Hitchcock is a guy, he's, he's full of um, contradictions. Like, on the, on the one hand with that... The, uh, uh, and beans. Yeah, the one hand with that crop duster scene, mm-hmm. um, okay, it's sort of an absurd approach, right? Just a slightly better than than the uh, tornado idea, right? <laughs> but at the same time, he insisted, and if you go back and watch it, he, he insisted that the guy be crop dusting as he's trying to kill him. <laughs> yes. And he's like, well, that's what a crop duster does, because <laughs> he has these credos. Like, yeah. if you show a gun, a gun must go off, right? He has, like, five things that have to happen in a film, There's, right? This is the thing. I took this class, again, in uh, film appreciation, yeah. and we did this break breakdown of like just that scene of him standing there waiting for something to happen in that yeah. field, in that cornfield yeah. and then the things just sort of breaking up and piling on to the side of him it's just beautifully it's it's just masterful the way the yeah. scene is created yeah. and 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 the way the tension is is produced just by the way things are, are positioned his fucking ability with mise-en-scene is fucking is crazy his ability to just push forward a story like that yeah all right so the story um, is uh, Cary Grant Adam as, Sandler as no mise-en-scene the <laughs> you are douchey talk you really are man yeah, well, I figured I'd let you enjoy it um the film is about um, Roger O. Thornhill, rot, um, a sort of you know madman era uh, advertising man. Cary Grant. Who's, uh, Cary Grant. He's at a uh, like a three martini um, lunch in Manhattan, and um, his name is Paged. This is back when we had uh, Page Boys. Yes. Um, and so um, the alleged uh, agent that was mentioned before, the mysterious non-existent agent, um, uh, he, uh, some of uh, James Mason's. I, who are they, by the way? They, we, they never come. There again, it's like, are they, like, are they communists? Vaguely, are they? They're vaguely. Euro, they're European, and that's pretty much it. And we all know Europeaners come in the fifties. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, he answers the page with his real name, and, and so they, he's abducted essentially. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For 
for what purpose? That's the, the first question I never asked because yeah. he's taken to a house in Long Island mm -hmm. and he's he's given this sort of th this first assassination treatment where he's force fed alcohol and put into a car to kill himself. But they want they want more than just to kill him. They want some information that he's not giving. Right. And then that's just kind of it. Yeah, and then, and, then we, and then we try to kill them in this awkward way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right, okay, and Absolutely. so... Absolutely, and, and oh, God dang There's it. the great... And, and Martin, hold on, what's his name? Uh, Martin, Martin Lando. Lando. <laughs> Martin Lando yeah. is the muscle. I mean, that's kind, well, of, I mean, that's that's kind of funny out of, of the, itself. The subtext of that character has always been that the, the Martin Lando character is gay. Right, yes. Right, and and so they the actually... people are very threatening. There were some, yeah, there were some lines that he had that had to be dubbed over later on because they were mm. too suggestive of his being gay, like, oh, you know, something like okay. I, I forgot to wear my slip. I, I'm serious. Is that something like that. What's that? Is, is that, that? <laughs> is that caught? So, uh, well, that's not what a gay man would say, actually, Thomas. <laughs> well, that's sure true. Yeah, but there you go. Sorry, be affirmative uh, you know, declaration. I, I would say. I am sorry. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so then, just like a series of events happened. I mean, the more I think about it, it's it's like a well. Um, orchestrated set of vignettes in a way like he goes to the mm. UN because James Mason has mentioned s someone else's name so he figures he'll track him down at the UN and of course as he goes to the UN um, the guy who he's there to see who might sort of unravel this whole mystery for him is knifed in the back of course all right, and then Cary Grant, like this, one of the one of the most awkward scenes in filmmaking. The guy collapses into Cary Grant's arms, and Cary Grant is curious about the knife in his back, so accidentally pulls it out, and then the newspaper cameraman <laughs> comes along and takes a picture of him with a knife in his hand. It's right. ridiculous, of course. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but now it's like you know he's seen as this murderer. By the way, the whole UN thing. I used to live like a few blocks from the UN. You cannot. You're not allowed to film the UN. In any way, really? Yeah, you're not allowed to. And so they um, went in and took mental notes of like the ambassador's lounge and recreated that in Culver City. But um, mm -hmm. they do have some exterior shots, and the way they did it is Hitchcock um, <coughs> hired it's classic uh, a flower van, and they just filmed it like uh, <laughs> FBI style out the window of Cary nice. Grant long shots, like walking the conversation up there. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like the conversation, so so um, he's now sort of on the run. You know, this is very classic. His his uh, his pictures on the front page of every paper, mm -hmm. um, and he meets Eve Kendall, Eva uh, Marie Saint, Eva Marie Saint. Eva Marie Saint, by the way, had not worked in a few years. And the, and the rumor I'd always heard was that um, she got shit faced at the '55 Oscars, really, and said like "goddamn son of a bitch" <laughs> right or something when she got her Oscar because uh -huh. she was shit faced. And I think she worked sparsely. Uh, between now and, and but of course she was the perfect, you know, Tippy Hedren, Grace Kelly type yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that Alfred Hitchcock loved. The blonde of, uh, of legendary Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, so they have this meeting on a train. And by the way, this this um, maybe one of the article greatest. I read about the about the guy who wrote the screenplay, he did so much research. He took that train like several times <laughs> across states just to get the feel oh, the, of all the into the tunnel. Yeah, that's a good a good scene later Sorry. on. Yeah, okay. All right, so so um, that's cool. Well, here's another thing. It's sort of like okay, you know, he he starts to seduce her mm -hmm. on the train, right? For no reason except he's that Cary she's Grant. he's Cary Grant. He's the advertising guy. So even right. though he's on the run, like I would be huddled in the, the Amtrak bathroom, mm -hmm. shitting myself because <laughs> people are trying because to kill people you, are right? and the people are trying to get a little bit of strange. This guy wants to get a little Eve Kendall action, but somehow it's like. Um, you know, she's mysterious to, to the whole thing. We're not quite sure at the time, and so she gives him she gives him this address to meet her, and it turns out to be that Iowa or Indiana cornfield. 
Right. Right. He takes the buster, and that's mm. how the assassination. So he soon realizes, like this, this cunt is trying to kill me. Yeah. I made love to her, and then yeah. he tried to kill. And he he yeah. he, he manages sort of to sort of get back to um, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Where, right. where she is, right, and right. he finds her in a hotel, and she's with James Mason. Mm-hmm. So now, ah, ah, she's, ah. In she's what we call in cahoots. Exactly. Oh, cahoots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's just a lot of stuff that goes on, and, and it turns out you know she's a double agent. Right. So you mm-hmm. know his he, he sort of puts her in jeopardy with some his, innocuous American agency is keeping track of the whole fucking thing. Yeah. There's a great there's a classic scene also in, in an, <laughs> um, an auction, an antique you know auction uh-huh. with some bigwigs where he goes in and he makes a scene <laughs> because he's going to get trapped in there. That's actually the most coherent scene in the whole it film. Actually, is. it kind of is ridiculous. He gets, he gets the the police called on him so he can make his way out of the, yeah. the scene. It's very, you know, I, the more I think about the story about how they wrote this film, the more it absolutely makes sense that it was just mm-hmm. like, it's like sit down, roll a joint, <coughs> and take a couple of puffs and figure, what next? What ridiculous next thing could we have happen in this film? And yet it's 100% delightful. In some ways, a film that's that's much more complex than the year before, Vertigo, mm-hmm. and, it, and is much more cinematic and has the mark of an auteur. I don't like as much as this film. Yeah. I find it kind of muddy when, when compared with this film. Agreed. No, which is ask- actually muddier. <laughs> I was watching this movie, and at the same time I was watching, do you think, uh, watching uh, Cary Grant, is Jack Ham... Uh, oh, John like, Ham? John Ham. Jack Sorry, yeah, John Ham. Jack Ham. Jack Ham. Fucking Pittsburgh Steelers. Nah. Is John Ham like the natural, like, like the next... The next if they remade this movie, yeah. I'd like it. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't mind it so much if they put John Hamm in there. Well, I don't know why you turned Jewish all of a sudden. But well, hey, I would hey. mind if they remade this movie to begin with. I suppose. Uh-huh. Right? Um, Denzel I, Washington. I mean, John Hamm would be. Uh, here's why he'd be a bad choice. Yeah, they would put Denzel Washington in. For That's sure. Yeah, or Eddie Griffith. Um, but <laughs> what? Uh, I don't know. But uh, John Hamm would be a bad That's choice terrifying. because John Hamm. It's, he's having a hard enough it's hard enough to watch him and not think of him as Don Draper advertising guy from mm. this era so like to put him in that advertising role again I think would be kind of problematic no? maybe I don't know yeah you don't know yeah they probably change it no you don't either yeah, I don't know it. either yeah none of us do man it all culminates you know I, it, it really is just a, <laughs> what's the it's, right here's a question shit is what, what's the fun. right like the dream scenario to watch this film like what you know what I mean like like is this a film no. You watch over a mimosa at your big screen in the house. You want to watch it in a theater with other people. What's the situation with this film? Because it, it's it calls to sort of be be celebrated with other people. Yeah. You know, and not yeah. understood by everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, it strikes or me no as one. being like if you really want to introduce somebody easy to Hitchcock, but then it occurred to me it, Hitchcock's not that hard. It's not that hard to to, to introduce. Not that hard. Nah. So I don't know. I think you're right. I think it's it strikes me as like a party movie. Like it'd be a good it'd be a good movie to have a viewing and a party. Yeah, only you and I. Though. We're such nerds. We would have this at a, at a party. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, well. well, I mean, it's I. I mean, I, you don't need our thumbs up for this goddamn movie. But I just thought the the, the way it was put together was so interesting. And you and know, it's it's we're we're getting toward the last of Cary Grant's career. I think he made maybe three other movies: Houseboat. Uh, 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 Walk Don't Run and mm-hmm. something else. Jude, Jude, Jude. I think it was called. Yeah. Well, he was. Um, we'll talk about Cary Grant more sometime. But you know. Well, yeah, sure, absolutely. Great LSD taker. That's right. He was kind of kind of a cool guy for what you'd expect of Hollywood people. But also time possible uh, gay romance with James Cagney. I heard a couple really? of times. Yeah. Wow. Yep. How tall was he? How tall was he? Cary Grant? Yeah, Cary Grant. I always assumed he was like a, a at least five ten or eleven. I mean, uh-huh. he's not a short guy. I don't know. He had I'm, those great glass. He married um, 
Diane Cannon or Carol? The Caucasian one. <laughs> it was like his fourth wife. You know what he, you know he reminds me of? His Uncle Harry. Our great Our Uncle great Harry. Uncle Harry. Look Harry Grantish. <laughs> He's a, maybe a better father. Or maybe not. Or no, maybe not. no. I didn't think they were pretty equal in that no, sense. Wow, okay. Yeah. All right, All right well, man. Fair enough, my friend. Well, okay, so this... Uh, Good old uh, North by Northwest. Yeah, North by Northwest action. All yeah. right, so that's it for Barely us. audible. Um, what's that? Barely audible. Well, we'll event. see. We'll see what it looks like. Um, so, uh, sounds like I should say. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, all right. So, uh, join us on... Yeah, uh, all right. <laughs> yeah. That, that's it, right? What else, what else do we do? Nothing. Okay. Uh, love you, Tommy. Uh, keep listening to us. Finlay's on film. Yeah. Out. Okay, bye. 17 minutes. I got 24.